Okay, so that video is for next week. So it's a great video, and, and that gives me an opportunity to talk about next week. Um, I will uh, be out next week, next, but uh, Caleb and a special guest speaker is going to be here uh, from Ecuador, a missionary by the name of Dan Weston. And uh, he is going to be sharing with you what he's going to be, what he is doing there, and what our students are potentially going to be doing there uh, in mission work next summer. And so it's going to be a great opportunity for you to get to see that, to be a part of that, to hear firsthand the work that God is doing there. So plan to be here. Uh, it's going to be a great opportunity uh, and in a unique format. Caleb's going to be sharing, and he's going to be interviewing Dan. Uh, for you, and uh, I'm going to be uh, listening from the road as I drive, but uh, I won't be here in person, but it's going to be a great opportunity. And then also, we're going to take up a love offering for him just to uh, support the work that he's doing. So you just kind of plan for that. I'll mention that again at the end of the service. Um, but, you know, that's, you know, when you hear about the work that God is doing around the world, and you get firsthand uh, accounts of that and how God is, is using different individuals in different areas and, and the unique work that he's doing, uh, we should be thankful for that. We should be thankful for the fact that even in the midst of interesting times, God is still in the business of saving individuals. He's still in the business of touching lives, reaching people. And, uh, and so we're going to talk a little bit about reasons we have to be thankful this morning. Uh, not only this morning, this week, but always. Uh, as I said, kind of at the start of the service, maybe, maybe you're having a little trouble finding reasons to be thankful this year. Anybody struggling with that? Honestly, anybody struggling with reasons to be thankful? It's okay to admit it. Uh, there, have been, there have been times for, for those of you that didn't admit it, you know, you can ask for forgiveness for lying. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but uh, I think we've all probably, uh, maybe even if not this week, We've probably all struggled at some point throughout the past eight months with being thankful. Um, you know, maybe we focus too much on what we can't do instead of focusing on what we can do. Maybe we focused on what we've lost instead of what God has blessed us with, the opportunities he's given us uh, that wouldn't have existed uh, w- without a pandemic or some other crisis. Um, so we're, we're going to focus this morning on how to be thankful regardless of our circumstances, because I believe we have a lot of reasons to be thankful. Uh, I believe we have more than, than we could count if we really sat down and tried. And, I, and, and there's, there's a, a story in the Bible that is familiar to all of us that I think highlights this truth, that regardless of the circumstances, we can be thankful. And Jesus, as he always does, sets the perfect example for us in that. We're going to be in in Mark chapter 6 today. Uh, We're going to look at the feeding of the 5,000, a miracle that's recorded by all four Gospels, which tells you it made an impact. And it is, there are some things that, that, that we all need to know. All the Bible is important. That's not, not to say that, there, that we shouldn't know the other areas, but when something like this is repeated as it is, and the record is kept as it is, that tells you that there's some lessons in here that God wants us to learn. And so we're just going to walk through these verses together. I didn't include this uh, section in the PowerPoint. Um, just open your copy of God's Word to Mark chapter 6, and we're just going to walk through the Scripture together this morning. Uh, use your device like I am, or you can open your copy of God's Word, and, and we'll read together, beginning in verse 30 of Mark chapter 6. 
The apostles gathered together with Jesus, and they reported to him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, Come away by yourselves to a secluded place and rest for a while. For there were many people coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. They went away in the boat to a secluded place by themselves. The people saw them going, and many recognized them and ran there together on foot from all the cities and got there ahead of them. When Jesus went ashore, he saw a large crowd, and he felt compassion for them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. When it was already quite late, his disciples came to him and said, This place is desolate, and it is already quite late. Send them away so that they may go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, You give them something to eat. And they said to him, Shall we go out and spend 200 denarii on bread and give them something to eat? And he said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go look. And when they found out, they said, Five loaves and two fish. And he commanded them all to sit down by groups on the grass. They sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. And he took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up toward heaven, he blessed the food and broke the loaves, and he kept giving them to the disciples to set before them. And he divided up the two fish among them all. They ate, they all ate and were satisfied. And they picked up twelve full baskets of the broken pieces and also of the fish. There were five thousand men who ate the loaves. Again, only miracle recorded by all four Gospels. There's something here God wants us to learn, some lessons here for us. This principle, uh, above all, or in this, at the center of this, is the principle that God can and will supply all of our needs. He will do it in a way that only He can, and in a way that brings Him glory and honor, but He will, He can, and He will supply our needs. And when we look at Jesus' actions in the middle of, I think we could all admit, a challenging circumstance, a difficult circumstance, we see how Jesus responds. And from that, we can learn some lessons for us, for, for all of life, but I think are particularly applicable with what we're going through right now. With the challenges we're facing right now, this Thanksgiving, if we follow Jesus' actions in response to a difficult situation, then we can find the same results that he found, that he experienced, that he brought to bear on earth. We can find God working in a miraculous way in our lives. But we need to model these actions. One thing that we need to do is that we need to have compassion for people. We see Jesus, and he has great compassion for these folks. You know, in, in difficult times when things are tough, it's easy to become self-centered, isn't it? To focus on myself, my own problems. And listen, we've all got challenges. We've all got problems. Some of you are facing great challenges, great problems, personal trial, personal hurt. We're all facing the difficulties surrounding the pandemic, the uncertainty about the future, which is always the case because none of us know the future anyway, right? But we are reminded of these things in difficult times. And in those moments, we kind of go into survival mode. And we think, oh, I've got to take care of myself. I've got to focus on myself. I've got to focus on my family, which are good things. We do need to focus on those things. But, but we do it at times, and we sacrifice maybe the needs of others. Maybe we don't pay as much attention to others that God places in our path who may need some physical help or may just need an ear for a few moments, somebody to listen to them, somebody to share, to pray with them. And so we need to be reminded of, regardless of our situation, 
the challenges we face, we need to have compassion. And we see Jesus and his disciples. Now, they had been, Jesus had sent the disciples out. They had been ministering in his name. They came back. And so he, as he often does himself, he says, okay, guys, we're going to go find a place and, and rest and pray. We're going to get away. Well, that's their intent, but the crowds have another idea. The crowds don't want them to do that, and so uh, they find themselves, they're attempting to withdraw with the disciples, but the crowd wouldn't let him. So how does Jesus respond? How would you respond? Maybe you've just gotten home from a mission trip. Maybe you've been working all day. You get home, and you want to rest for a few minutes, but your kids have a different idea, or you get home from that mission trip, and, and, and then suddenly you're, you're presented with an opportunity to help somebody. Uh, or you're tired for whatever reason, how do you respond in those moments where you know you've done your part, you're exhausted, and somebody's asking for more? Well, Jesus, in verse 31, he went ashore, he saw a large crowd, and what, how did he respond? Well, he felt compassion for them. He saw the crowd, and he felt compassion for them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So what does he do? He begins to teach. He begins to feed them spiritually. Instead of reacting in anger, Jesus has compassion. He shows compassion. That's, that's his response. And, and, and he begins to teach them. He begins to teach them, and the crowd begins to listen intently. Verse 34 tells us. And, and the reason he does this is because Jesus knows something here that no one else does. They had a need that went beyond the physical. Their spiritual need was their greatest need. They, this crowd needed to be fed spiritually before they were fed physically. They needed spiritual food. He looked at them as sheep without a shepherd. If we see Luke's account in Luke chapter 9, verse 11, the crowds found out where he was going. They followed him. He welcomed them and taught them about the kingdom of God, and he healed those who were sick. The disciples wanted to send them away, right? The disciples, they were a nuisance to them. They were a problem that they didn't have a solution to. And, and, you know, we can look at the disciples, as we tend to do, and say, God, these guys were clueless. And, and, you know, it's fair to, in hindsight, look at them and say, how could they not know that Jesus was going to do something here? But if we put ourselves in their place, in their shoes, that's a lot of people. And nobody has enough money to feed those people. Uh, 200 denarii, that was about a year's worth of wages. And that's what it would have taken, at least, to feed all of those folks. And so we see the problem. We see the disciples' reaction. And if we're honest, we can kind of understand where they're coming from. But, but they saw the crowd as a problem that needed to be solved. And Jesus saw them as sheep in need of a shepherd, as lost in need of his love, his grace, his mercy. He saw them as individuals, his concern for them. And, and that, that phrase, that, that description, as sheep in need of a shepherd, he sees them as lost individuals in need of salvation. That was their greatest need. They're not a nuisance to him. Yeah, he's tired. I'm sure he would rather go and rest. But in this moment, he sees an opportunity to show love. And when D.L. Moody was building his Sunday school, they would have kids come to uh, this Sunday school and pass many, many churches uh, to get to this Sunday school. 
they would go there, and, and once a, a, a man, when he, when he got older, he was asked, you know, why did you go to that Sunday school, passing so many churches along the way? And his answer was so very simple, but telling. He said, because they love a fellow over there. He felt loved, plain and simple. He went to, as a child to that church because they loved him. And who knows that he didn't get that anywhere else. I don't know. I'm sure there were many children that they touched that didn't get love in other circumstances. You know, one of the things that, that, that drew people to Jesus was they knew they were loved. Yes, he confronted sin. And he, he, he is God. He's just. And he didn't sugarcoat it. He didn't wash over it. But he still met needs. And he loved them because God is love. And, and, and you couldn't leave the presence of Christ and not be changed one way or the other. If you accepted him, you were changed forever. If you didn't, you were changed forever. And, and so these individuals, they, they saw, even if they never fully came to realize what it was because they rejected him, they saw something in Christ that was unique. And we see it time and time and time again. When people come to him, instead of pushing them away, he accepts them and he meets their needs and then he addresses their spiritual need, their greatest need need. So the question for us, are we having compassion for people right now? Are we having compassion? Are we so wrapped up in our own worlds that we can't see the people around us that are hurting and are in need? Jesus saw their greatest need, and once he fed them spiritually, he really did have the problem of feeding them physically, didn't he? I mean, you know, he's got all these people here. He's been teaching them for a while. And so suddenly, and you know, it talks about 5,000 men. You've heard this before. It wasn't just the men. It was the women and children, too. So anywhere from twelve to 15,000 people estimated, somewhere around that number, that's how many people you're dealing with here. A lot of people. So it wasn't just a small group. He's got a huge problem, a huge challenge, we'll say. For the disciples, a problem for him, he knows it can be handled because he knows his heavenly father can bring the resources of heaven to bear on earth. And because of Jesus' compassion, you know, he could have taught them, he could have met their spiritual need and then just said, all right, you guys are on your own, fend for yourselves, go find some food. But because of his compassion, he not only met their spiritual need, he went beyond that and blessed them by meeting their physical needs. And we need to have compassion for people that moves us to action, to meeting those needs. Next, we need to learn to approach each situation properly. One of the other things that amazes me about this story is Jesus' response to the situation as a whole. You know, he doesn't panic. He doesn't freak out. I mean, the disciples are freaking out a little bit. I mean, they're getting worried. I mean, how are we going to feed all these people? They know that, that, that human reason says we can't do this. We don't have enough food, nor do we have enough money to buy enough food to feed all of these people. But Jesus stays calm. He stays calm while everybody around him is in disbelief. The disciples didn't believe that Jesus could take care of this. Look at verse 37. He answers them, you give them something to eat. And then, then they said, shall we go and spend 200 denarii on bread and give them something to eat? Again, that's a year's worth of wages. So this seemed impossible by human standards. And it was. I mean, in that moment, short of a miracle, they're not going to be able to feed all these people. Um, my brother and sister-in-law, uh, they are on the mission field now, but when they were, before they left on the mission field, they, uh, they had a dog named Belle. It was a rescue dog. 
And this dog uh, did something uh, that, that some rescue dogs do that was, it was kind of pitiful but, uh, but telling. They were cleaning their apartment one day, and they moved the couch, doing some spring cleaning or something. They moved the couch and found out that Belle had a stash of food that she had hidden behind the couch. She would take a little bit of her dog food every day and put it back there and stash it. Why did she do that? Well, she was afraid her, she'd probably been neglected, and she was afraid her owners were not going to feed her. She was afraid my brother and sister-in-law were not going to feed her. Now, now, granted, they probably weren't the most responsible people at that age, but they fed their dog. But in her mind, she was worried. She was worried that her needs weren't going to be met. And if you've had a dog that's a rescue dog, you know that there are attitudes and behaviors they display because of whatever's happened to them. Just like, you know, human beings in that sense. We develop attitudes in response to things that have been done to us. Um, Bad things leave scars. Well, she was worried that her owners weren't going to be able to feed them. And we see a little bit of that in the disciples, right? I mean, they had seen Jesus do some miracles, but in their human minds, in their human reasoning, they could not figure out a solution to this problem. And it did not cross their minds, Uh, that Jesus could perform a miracle, or at least in this moment, they're looking at human solutions to problems that are beyond our ability. Faith is best seen in the midst of trying circumstances. You will discover the depth of your faith when it is tried, when you face challenges, when you face trials. Um, You know, Jesus stays calm. Why does Jesus stay calm here? Well, he knows that all things are possible with God. I mean, he knows that, that, that this can be handled that God can take care of this. He is calm because he's not blown around by the the winds of circumstances, by the winds of culture or the winds of trials. And and I I brought a a kite with me today to kind of illustrate this for you. All right? My kids, or at least one of my kids is is waiting to play with this when I get done with this. I made them wait until I get done with my illustration. It's been windy lately, so, you know, it'll be be good uh, to to try it out. But you, you think about a kite, and this is a pretty snazzy one. It's very colorful, airplane. A kite, of course, is made to be blown by the wind, right? Now, what is something that you desperately need in order to not lose your kite in the wind? You got to have string. Without this, I mean, it might be pretty to watch it blow around a little bit, but what's going to happen to this kite? It'll either blow away, it'll get caught in a tree, in a power line. Or, or something else. You're going to lose your kite on a windy day without the string. Now, I want you to think about this. This is a, a great illustration for life, for us. You know, this kite represents us. I mean, we're tossed around by a lot of different things in life, right now especially. There are a lot of things going on in life. And, and think about this string as being God's presence in our lives. You know, without him, we're going to be tossed around by the winds of culture. We're going to be tossed around by trials and tribulations. We'll be tossed wherever they toss us, where they, wherever they throw us. But just like this clip connects this kite to the string, our faith in Christ, we are connected. Jesus connects us to God. He is our connection. And so when the winds of trial come, we need to dive deep in our relationship with him. We need to run closer to him, to draw closer to him, and he will draw close to us. We need to dive deep in his word. And if we do that, we will stay grounded. It's going to be tough. We're going to have difficult experiences, trials, pain, suffering. We're going to be blown around, but we'll always be anchored by our faith in Jesus Christ, by his power and his strength. Why was Jesus so calm when everybody else around him panicked? Not only here, you know, 
in the middle of uh, uh, the sea, in a boat, storm in the middle of the night. Jesus is asleep. Why is he calm when everybody else is panicking? Because his faith and his relationship with God the Father was perfect. We need to strive for that. We will not be perfect in this life, but we can grow in our relationship with him every day. If we are grounded in our relationship with God, if we, are, if we have faith in, in Christ and are connected to God through Christ, it doesn't matter what happens. Yes, we will experience hardships, but we will stay grounded. So Jesus stays calm. And so the, the next thing he does is another lesson. He just gathers what's available. He, he looks around. He finds out what's available. Look and see what food's out there. He gathers the resources. How many loaves do you have, he says. They found out five loaves, two fish is what they found. There's an important lesson here for all of us. When you and I are uncertain about our future, which it happens in life, when we are uncertain about our future, do what you know God wants you to do in the present. Because there are some things that we know he wants us to do. To study his word, to spend time with him, to share the gospel, to continue to reach people. You know, whatever it is that you know God wants you to do, use the resources he's given you now until he shows you what he's going to do in the future. You know, Jesus, he, he, he knows, I believe in this moment, I do think he limited his foreknowledge at times, but I think here he knows what's going to happen. But he's teaching the disciples an important lesson. When you don't know what's coming, use what God has given you. Use what you have at your disposal. Depend on God and then expect him to do a miracle. Because he can take the resources, the common everyday resources of man, and he adds his power and strength, and suddenly they become extraordinary, right? Suddenly he is performing a miracle. So Jesus, he takes the resources available, these five small loaves, and they were probably smaller and flatter than our loaf of bread, definitely. The, the fish, they were probably dried and salted, probably small, so not a lot of food, but he takes these, and then he does something very important. In the midst of the challenge, in the midst of the doubt of his disciples and a crowd that's probably growing more and more hangry by the minute. And yes, I said hangry. Uh, I mean, in the midst of all of this, what does Jesus do? He takes what he has and he gives thanks. He blesses the food. What does he have to be thankful for? He's got five loaves and two fish, 12,000 people, 15,000 people. That's not enough food, but yet he blesses it. And in doing so, he looks to the father. He gives thanks Lord, I know things are tough right now. God, it's difficult. You know, a lot of people are getting sick. You know, I'm not getting to do everything I want to do this holiday season. But Lord, I'm thankful. God, thank you for life. Thank you for sustaining me. Thank you for providing. I'm depending on you. I'm submitting to you. I'm allowing you to have control. This blessing was not an afterthought. This is the main ingredient of the story. Because through this prayer, Jesus brings the resources of heaven to bear upon the earth. And, and when we go to God in prayer, always we should, but in those difficult times where we've run out of resources and we've run out of options and we look to God and we say, God, you, you are in control. I don't understand. I submit to you. When we open ourselves up to him, when we are willing to do whatever he calls us to do, regardless of how big, regardless of what the challenge is, when we say yes before he even tells us what to do, 
then we are in a position to be a conduit for his power and his authority. His authority to bear on earth. It's through prayer that we access the resources of heaven and bring them to bear upon this temporary earth. And that's what Jesus does. He looked, he took the five loaves, he blessed it. And then he divided up the loaves and the fish. He broke the bread. He divided it up. He gave it to the disciples. And they divided up the two fish among them. He blesses it. And he keeps going and going and going and going. A miracle. The resources of heaven. And again, this is the main ingredient. Because as Maud Royden once said, she said, when you have nothing left but God, you become aware that God is enough. And it takes those difficult, tight corners Uh, like the Israelites against the Red Sea, to make us depend on God. But when we pray, we bring God's resources to bear. And when God calls us to step out in faith, that we need to use whatever we have available. We need to make sure we're doing our part, being faithful, that we're not just laying down on the job. But then when those resources run out, in those moments where we know there are no other options, we depend on God and we allow him to do his work. And he will work in his time and in his way. And that brings us to our next point, our final point, and that's that we need to believe that God will provide. God will provide. He will. You know, one day this all this is going to be a distant memory. I'd wish it were sooner rather than later. Don't want to wish my life away. You know, we were looking at home videos last night. My kids used to be cute. No, I'm staying, they're still cute. (laughs) They're still cute. Um, but we were, you know, you, you find yourself thinking, oh, man, you know, the way things used to be, all that kind of thing. You don't want to wish your life away, but, you know, sometimes you wish life would move a little quicker, right? <laughs> this is maybe a little faster than it is. Um, but, you know, I, I got to looking at this, and I got to thinking, and, and I'm just going to finish with this, okay? Because I think there's some valuable lessons here for us. This Thanksgiving, when we're challenged with maybe finding some reasons to be thankful, let's look at, think about this story. When you gather around the table with whatever family members you're allowed to gather with or you choose to gather with and, and share your germs with this Thanksgiving. I want you to think about this story and this, this massive group of people um, the, and the meal, the celebration that must have taken place when suddenly they had more than enough to eat and the awe, the wonder of the disciples and those who really paid attention and really who allowed their lives to be changed by this. You know, we see some specific reasons in these verses to be thankful. For one thing, they had enough, not only enough to eat, but enough to be satisfied, to be full. They had leftovers. I like Thanksgiving leftovers, y'all. That's a total side note. But, man, I, I, ooh, I like that turkey and dressing. It's better the second time around sometimes. Eat some, take a nap, eat some more. <laughs> they had enough to be satisfied. They ate and were full. They were satisfied. 5,000 men plus women and children. So this Thanksgiving, when you're around your table, be thankful that Jesus satisfies your needs. He's more than enough to satisfy you. They had more, than le- they had more left over than they had at the beginning. They picked up 12 full baskets of the broken pieces and also the fish. 12 baskets full. So not only does Jesus provide, he provides in abundance. They have more left over than they had to begin with. It's amazing how God does that. We look at things from a human perspective. I don't know how this is going to work out. And then when we get done, we look back and we say, not only did I have enough, I had more than I could have ever imagined. And I don't know where it came from exactly except to say that God did it. 
And that's a lesson. This Thanksgiving, be thankful that Jesus provides an abundance for the needs of his children. He'll provide for you, and it may be in a way that you never imagined, but I guarantee you it will be in abundance. And then Jesus reveals himself through his action. This, as with all miracles, is Jesus revealing himself as Messiah. It's revealing himself to be God. It's a sermon in action. Only God could do this. That's the only explanation. Again, people left this, and either they believed or they rejected. But they, if they rejected, they didn't have an explanation for it. Maybe they said it was voodoo or something, and he was accused of all kinds of stuff. But if you were really paying attention... If you opened your heart, there was no way to see this as anything other than an act of God. He has revealed himself to us through this and many other ways in his word. So this Thanksgiving, be thankful that Jesus has revealed himself to you as your Messiah, as the Savior of the world. Unfortunately, when we leave this story, for the most part, people were amazed at the miracles. They appreciated the help they got, but they failed to receive the spiritual message. A lot of people, can you imagine, a lot of people left this, and maybe they were too far away, they didn't see the action up front, they didn't see where the food came from. Maybe they just thought somebody had packed a bunch of fish and bread. But can you imagine witnessing this and leaving and not being changed, or not accepting Jesus as who he was, yet there were many people that did? We run the same risk when we allow the circumstances of life to drown, to quench our faith, to cause us to run away from, from God, to cause us to doubt, to live in that place of doubt. We all have doubts at times, okay? Everybody does. But to, to push us away, to forget about our need for God, to not dive closer, to draw closer to Him, we all run the same risk of experiencing all that we're experiencing and leaving here no different of leaving here no closer to Christ, not being changed by him for the better. John 12, 37, this happened on more than one occasion. After Jesus had done all these miraculous signs, after the triumph and entry, after all that he had done, John kind of sums it up. He says, after Jesus had done all these miraculous signs, including this one, in their presence, they still would not believe in him. So how do we avoid making the same mistake? Well, some application for today. Number one, believe no situation is too difficult for Jesus to handle. You're going to have fleeting moments of doubt, but come out of that and go back into his word. Go back to his feet. So the question for all of us, are we like Bell the dog? (laughs) We don't really trust that he can provide for our needs, or we really believe that he will provide? Because another application is that Jesus meets all of our needs from day to day. But the key there is day to day. And there's a reason for that. It creates and increases our dependence upon him. He may not tell you how he's going to work out all your problems two years from now, but he will lead you moment by moment, minute by minute. And he'll walk with you through those moments and minutes. Jesus is the supplier of all of our needs when ordinary resources are insufficient. It can be a helpless feeling when you run out of resources, when you don't know how you're going to provide But with that helplessness, if you look to Christ, the next thing you experience is peace that passes all understanding. Because it's when my resources run out and I look to him that I experience his extraordinary, his miraculous resources, and I find out that they are more than sufficient. And then look at each difficult situation, not as a problem, 
but as an opportunity to trust the Father and glorify His name. Every problem, every situation we face is difficult. We can focus on the problem, or we can look for ways to glorify God in the midst of that challenge. By the way that we respond, by the way that we use it to share the gospel, by the way that we trust God when other people are looking at us going, why do they still have peace? Why do they seem like they've still got it all together when their world seems to be falling apart? And we can say it's because of Christ's presence. It's not because of me, it's because of his presence. So we respond in a way that shows our faith and our trust in him. We do not waver. We trust no matter what. And, and it's and it's a reality, and this is what we have to decide, okay? Before you face a trial, you have to decide in your heart and in your mind, my faith in God, the strength or the existence of my faith in God is not dependent upon the pleasantness of my circumstances. I will have faith no matter what, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, regardless of what happens, we will not bow before that image. God will provide, and boy did he, we will not, even if we lose our lives in this moment, we trust God, and our, the pleasantness of our circumstances is not going to be the driving force of whether or not we have faith. We have to have faith, and the only way to do that is to fix your eyes on Jesus and to never look away through your life, through your actions, through communion with him. And I, I want to use a picture to illustrate that, all right? You've seen these before, right? Um, it's like those in the 90s. Y'all remember those pictures that you would be hanging up and you'd have to stare at it forever and you'd see an image? I never could do that, okay? This is similar to that. I never, I, to this day, I haven't been able to, to look at those pictures and see anything. But this is a little bit different. What I want you to do, I'm going to time you for 30 seconds. Stare at the four dots in the cent- center of that picture. Some of you have done this before. I'm going to time you. You ready? Go. We're going to sit here. We're going to stare for 30 seconds. I don't know how I'm going to time myself, but I'm going to try. So stare at those, those dots. Don't look away. Focus. Use all of your self-control. You realize how long 30 seconds is when you're waiting for it to go by, don't you? It's a good thing I talk for a living. Keep focusing. 10 more seconds. Focus. Focus. Don't look away. At the four little dots. Three, two, one. Now close your eyes. Stay there for a moment. What do you see? Keep your eyes close. It takes a minute. All right. You can keep your eyes closed if you want to, if you want to stare at that. This Thanksgiving, cut out all the chaos. Set aside all the problems. They'll be there when you get back. <laughs> Don't focus on the problems. Don't focus on what you don't have. Don't focus on what you can't do. Set your eyes on Christ. If you want peace in the midst of any and every circumstance, focus on Jesus. Because he tells us if we come to him, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition, with what? With thanksgiving. Present your request to God. Fix your eyes on him. Present him your problem just as the disciples did. Focus on him, and he will give you peace that passes all understanding. What reason do we have to be thankful this Thanksgiving? Because he's given his life so that we can be saved. And we have nothing to fear. Nothing to fear. We can trust him from day to day and know that he will provide. Now, let's take just a few moments. Just You can bow your head and close your eyes, and 
whether you can see it or not, still, with your eyes closed, focus on Christ for the next few moments. His peace can be yours if you will put your faith in him. Regardless of whether you're here at home, if Jesus is not your Savior, you can trust him now. He died for you. He gave his life on the cross, paid the price for your sin so that you wouldn't have to. And this Thanksgiving, you can thank him for doing that and show that Thanksgiving by inviting him into your life and dedicating everything that you are and everything that you have to him. Receive the salvation that only he can provide. Ask him to come into your life and to forgive you of your sins. Begin a relationship with him today. For those of us who know him, we can set our eyes on he, on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Perfecter means that he will complete the work that he's begun. You are saved. You are set free. He will continue to mold you and shape you into his image. He will make you what you need to be, and he will give you what you need to become that. Circumstances do not change that. Father, we come before you this Thanksgiving week during this difficult time. But we do it with joy in our hearts, knowing that you have provided for our greatest need. You have met our spiritual need, our need for salvation, a need that that neither we nor anyone else could provide except you. As a God of justice, you declared what was right and wrong. When we broke the rules, the sentence was built in death. And instead of requiring us to pay that penalty, to serve out that sentence, you gave yourself the only other who could pay that price. You paid the price for us. You paid the penalty. Yet you do not force salvation on us. We have to accept it. Like any gift, it has to be received. And I pray that if there's anyone here in this building or at home today who has not received that gift, that they would receive it now. Lord, I pray for those of us who know you, not just this Thanksgiving, but every day, we would begin, live, and end with our hearts and our minds focused on you through your word, through communion with you, through quiet prayer time in our closet with you, living our lives in communion. I pray that we would focus on you and not be distracted by the winds of culture, trials, tribulations, challenges, but that we would focus on you and you alone. And if we do, we can present our requests with thanksgiving, knowing that you are in control, and we can receive that peace that passes all understanding that will stand guard over our hearts keeping out anything that would pull at our hearts, would cause us to doubt, would tempt us, pull us away from you. Stand guard over our hearts and minds in the name of your son, Christ Jesus. And it is Jesus in your precious and holy name that we pray today. Amen.